Hey guys, welcome to the Swish Waterlad podcast. It's been awesome having Swish coming on board, helping bring Waterlad to you. And it's been awesome seeing some of these sporting legends that are coming on the platform. Obviously, Bowden Barrett joined the list of All Black Legends, which also includes the likes of Aaron Smith, Sam Kane, Rico Ioane, and plenty, plenty more. For those who haven't checked out what Swish is all about yet, how it works is you basically write what you want your sports star to say, whether it's a gift or for yourself, and they'll generally send back a video for you in a few days. Up to 70% of the proceeds do go to Kiwi Kids Charities, and remember that you can get an extra 10% off if you use the code WATERLAD. There's a link in the description that can take you straight there, and it will already have the discount included, so go check that out. Also, Pure Sport are offering 20% off all their products if you use the code WATERLAD20. They are the most tested and trusted CBD oil in the world with a whole heap of athletes from all over the globe who swear by it. If you have any niggles you're struggling with or you're just not sleeping that well at night, there's a perfect solution for you. To order, head over to puresport.com or click the link in the bio. Lastly, one of the great lads, Tim Bateman, has been offering an awesome opportunity for anyone who's interested in their well-being. O Studio is New Zealand's largest wellness and recovery space, and now there is an opportunity for you to own your very own. Trust me when I say that Tim Bateman is the most switched-on guy you'll ever meet. So having him guide you through this process of owning your own business, it will be priceless in itself. Add to that the fact that the wellness space is the second fastest growing industry in the world. This is an opportunity that you don't want to miss if you're a lad here in New Zealand or around the world. If you are interested, click the link in the description to get in touch. But anyway, let's get to this episode. It is a cracker. Oh, what a lad. Well, this week I've got something a little bit different for you all. He may not be a household name in New Zealand just yet, but he certainly is making a name for himself over in America, where he's a punter for Indiana playing college football. It's not often we see Kiwis chase the American football dream, so there's heaps in this thing that I'm looking forward to talking about. And of course, like all my guests are, he is an absolute lad. He's one of the greats. It is James Evans. Welcome, mate. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Mate, thanks for coming on. It is such a unique um, and exciting opportunity that you've got in front of you at the moment, so I'm really looking forward to hearing all about it. That sounds good. Mate, so you've obviously just finished your first season. How was it over there? What's life like over there in America? Um, it's it's pretty hectic. I mean, with school and football, it's kind of like two, two full-time jobs. So I just recently got accepted into the Kelly School of Business, which is like a top 10, I think, uh, business school in America. So I was really stoked with that. Um, so just balancing that and football. And last season was crazy. The team, especially compared to years past, and we didn't really do so well. But we played, I believe, like the strength of schedule was the hardest in all of college football, playing in the Big Ten. And then like, we played non-conference games against Cincinnati and a few other really good schools. Uh, so I got some really, really crazy experiences in and I guess a lot of cool stories and a lot of good memories. Mate, how good is that? So for those who don't know much about college football, um, give us a little bit of an insight into what it's like over there. It looks unbelievable. Massive following, massive stadiums. What's it like? Uh, it's absolutely unreal. Uh, the fans are crazy. We have a stadium slightly bigger than Eden Park, uh, and it was full, I want to say four out of our six home games. So that was unreal, like running out. But then also 
we go to play in some like the coolest stadiums. We played uh, night games at Penn State and Michigan, and they, they were like they were packed out. So it was, I think it was like 107,000 people in the stands against Penn State, and then 110,000 against Michigan. So, especially when you're running out like the tunnel in those games, you're like, you look up and you go, whoa. But really, really good memories there. You know, it's it's just crazy. Like the scale of things is crazy. Uh, the fans. Uh, I still remember my first game we played at the University of Iowa and came in. We went through like private TSA, so like uh, airport security, whatever. Got a police escort to the airport and then got on like a chartered plane to uh, uh, the middle of nowhere in Iowa and then uh, stayed in a fancy hotel. Everything was just like unreal. Like, yeah. And then the next day when we played the game, I remember going to the stadium and there was just like just miles of or kilometers of uh, people tailgating, like middle-aged men uh, pulling the finger at you on the bus and <laughs> all these like just – it was it was just like the scale of it, um, the fan support, and all those things are just like off the chains. Mate, it is next level. Way like, how do they get such big support and such a massive following? Ah, uh, well, I feel like a lot of like the places where historically there's been really good programs are in some of like the more rural areas um, where there's not necessarily like pro sports, and obviously America is such a big place as well. Yeah. So like. Bloomington, where I live in Indiana, uh, it's a college town. Like, there's only 80,000 people that live here. And then, when, like, on summer break, when all the schools go home, there's only, like, 40,000 people. So, I mean, there's not too much to do, necessarily. So, when there's football and there's basketball and there's solid sports, like, people people come from around the state and they come and uh, support the team and whatnot. And how have you found the whole um, football side of things? Obviously, you're a punter. How have you found the punting side of the game? I mean, it's been good. I, I started all 12 games last year as a freshman, which was good. That was a goal of mine. Um, some good games, some bad games and and whatnot, but just trying to get better for, for the second year. And then I've got three more seasons left to play, so it was good to start as a freshman, which is pretty hard to do. And then just hoping to get better and better in my last three years. So there's a three-year limit that you can be involved in this side? Uh no, there's a there's a four year limit. So it's oh, yeah. it's weird. Uh there's a there's something called taking a red shirt year, so it's basically a lot of freshmen do it where they don't play their first year. Uh and so they like preserve your eligibility and oh, yeah. I because you're not really expected to play as a freshman just because like physically and mentally you're not necessarily like ready to play uh college football. I mean, especially playing against, like, 23, 24-year-olds. And then also, some of that also threw kind of a banner in the works was the uh, COVID year. So basically, because of COVID, everyone grown an extra year. Uh, unfortunately, I did not get that. I started right off the COVID year. But, yeah, so there's literally, like, dudes that had been playing college football. It was their sixth year last year. It's, like, grown-ass grown, grown ass men, like, 24-year-olds. I suppose you sort of stay out of it all anyway, though, do you? Because... You're just kicking the football. The physical side of it doesn't matter too much. It's more the mental side of it, is it? And understanding the game. Yeah. So, like at practice, like really, I don't really do anything. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny. You watch all these other dudes, like they run around and they're like knackered and whatnot. And I'm out there, like I'll kick like probably like forty to sixty balls. But like during like actual like team period, I only get like six, seven reps. Yeah. Uh, so the rest of practice, you know, I'm just 
chilling, you know, on the sidelines. And dudes sometimes get, I wouldn't say uh, annoyed, but they'll get jealous, you know, when they're sweating. And especially in the summer when it's really, really hot. Um, physically, like I have to do the same, uh, like strength and conditioning as, as everyone else. Um so that was one thing. I, was, I mean, I know you, you played rugby, professional rugby for so long. Like, the preseasons are pretty brutal. Yeah. I was, I, you know, before I came here, I was like, well, at least I won't have to run, like, you know, conditioning, like Broncos, all those things, you know. And I, I get here, and they they have me running with the linebackers and the tight ends and the quarterbacks. So it's like, it's even worse almost than all the rugby conditioning. So that's not, not fun. But aside from that, it's all... Practice is good. Sure. I, I did wonder whether you would have to do all that sort of um, conditioning side of the game as well because being a high-conditioned athlete is probably not that important for you. You probably, what, how many kicks would you average in a game? Maybe like six or eight or something, would you? Uh, yeah, five or six. Yeah, five or six. So, I mean, I don't really have to be fit to run on the field like 25 yards and then run <laughs> off 25 yards after I kick it. So, yeah, don't give me like, uh, I don't know. It gets me frustrated at times because I'm, I'm thinking like, where is this? What's this going to do me? But um, you know, I guess it's part of being in a team. So, do they have requirements for you to hit physically, or is that just mainly just to push you mentally? Um, not really. I mean, I'll sit down like with the strength uh, coach, the head strength coach, and kind of map out, you know, like progression. I'll have like a weight goal. Uh, like a muscle mass goal, like we have a body fat analysis, muscle mass analysis, all those things. We get those done every few months, why not? So just his, I think his big philosophy is just like maintaining as much like lean muscle mass as you can. So just trying to do that. And yeah, I guess for me, like really, aside from my lower body and my core, there's not too much I really need to do. That's, I guess, necessary for me. Um, but they still make me bench press and all those things. So yeah. Right, it sounds like a pretty sweet gig to be fair. But how did you get into uh, it all anyway? Because obviously you're from New Zealand, um, you grew up in New Zealand, you're playing rugby as I understand and then um, you make the switch to American football. So uh, give us a little bit of a rundown of your upbringing. Uh, well, I grew up in Auckland, uh, grew up playing a lot of sports, uh, like predominantly rugby, bit of cricket in the summer, although kind of got boring, you know. <laughs> as the game drags out. Uh, and I was pretty much, uh, I played, you know, a lot of sports and whatnot. When I was, I think I was like 13 or 14, and like kicking was probably like my strongest point in rugby. And one of my coaches was like, why don't you just go play like American football? And I was like, like you said, like all you have to do is kick a ball. And you just sit on the sideline all day. And, you know, I'm out here thinking like, that's a pretty sweet gig. And then as I kind of got older, and I guess I started, uh, like, getting some injuries and went on rugby and started, like, losing my passion a bit. I kind of thought back to that idea. And I was, and then I was kind of watching, like, a bit of college football, a bit of NFL football, just because college football's on Sundays. Like, what are you going to do, as, like, on a Sunday afternoon? And then watching the NFL on, like, Monday morning is a good use of school, you know. And I saw these Australian guys playing college football, and I was like, what are they, you know? Like, how is this possible? And then I, like, did some research, and I found there was, like, a kicking academy that, like, trained kids and then sent them, like, on college scholarships to the U.S. Um, so I got in touch with them my last year of high school, uh, went over to Melbourne, Australia for a trial, and then, so I finished high school in November, December 2019, and in January I moved to Melbourne. 
and then joined Pro Kick Australia, which is the academy. And so I was only actually there for like, I want to say like three months because of COVID. Yeah. Uh, things kind of, you know, got locked down. And I figured it's probably not good to be 18 and alone in a foreign country. So my parents go and move back to New Zealand. But I think it was like literally like six or seven weeks in a being in Australia. They were like, we might have a, a place for you. And then everything kind of just aligned. And then about... A month, month and a half later, I was committed here. And then in January of 2021, I moved out to Bloomington, Indiana. And here we are today, I guess, a year and a half later. So interesting story, I know. Um, A lot of people, like here, I get that question all the time. People are so confused. Like I'll say I play football and they'll think I play soccer and I'll have to tell them, like, no, like, American football, you know. So, yeah. yeah. So how good of you of a kicker were you as a as a rugby player? Did you know you were, like, a really good kicker? Uh, I I like to think that was, that was definitely my strong point. I guess goal kicking was kind of my thing. I was able to hit, like, pretty pretty long ball. I didn't actually really work on, like, actually like, punting ball out of hand too, too much. But I'd like to think I was pretty good. Uh, before I came, when I was training back on 2020, uh, actually, Marty Banks. Oh, yeah. Do you know? Oh, do I what? Yeah, no, he's top quality bloke. I uh, ran to a park and we were kicking some balls. And I guess that was kind of when I could compare myself to a elite kicker. And we were pretty pretty similar, I guess. So. Surely you had Marty Banks. <laughs> Maybe kicking a football. Uh I don't know, he's he's a really talented guy though. I, like top quality dude. Um, r- really liked him. Yeah, just a really nice guy. How do you think someone like him would go if he tried kicking over there? I mean, I feel like he'd go pretty good. Uh, he might be slightly too old <laughs> now. What's he just slightly over thirty? But no, I feel like he'd fit in pretty well. People would like him. Sure. Were you just down at the park kicking your American footballs, and he was just down there kicking rugby balls? Yeah, I, I, I recognized him, and he actually came up to me. I don't want to be, you know, the guy that interrupted his session. Yeah. He came up to me, and he was kind of, I guess, slightly confused, slightly interested. Um, and then we ended up just kicking balls together for a bit and talking, and I spoke to him for a good period, like a couple of hours, and he was a really, really good dude. So, yeah. Mate, he's a lad. So when you went over to the Pro Kick Academy, did you realize pretty quickly you were – pretty gifted in this area because like you said you weren't there for very long and um you picked up your gig pretty quickly oh yeah no there was there was a lot of really talented dudes so a lot of mates of mine playing college football now but i thought especially in terms of like leg strength uh i could compete with a lot of the the guys there but their big philosophy in australia was finding like a good fit so the good thing about where i am now is like obviously i wanted to go to business school and we got a really really good business school we got a really good social life here and then also a really good standard football in the Big Ten. So everything was just like, it was a good place for, well, at least they thought it was a good place for me. So everything kind of just like aligned, you know. Yeah. Had you played any games before you got over there or was it just purely on your punting stats? Uh, Yeah, so it was really just sending videos of me punting and then they had like a pre-existing relationship with uh, our head coach here and the special teams coordinator. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, like, I'd kicked thousands and thousands of balls. When I got here, uh, like, we had football practice. And so I had to, 
win like the starting job against uh, three other older guys on the team. But my first actual, like, I'd never been to a football game until we played at Iowa and I was playing in it. And it was, yeah, there was 70,000 people there. And it was pretty loud. Um, so that was funny. I didn't actually, it's a funny thing. I didn't, like, I'd never been to a football game aside from playing in them until, uh, so we live about 45 minutes from Indianapolis. So we this is the Indianapolis Colts there. So they were playing on Thursday night. So went up to a game. They were playing the Jets. And the next day we were leaving to play against Michigan. And I was just sitting there thinking, like, holy, like, this is this is unreal. And then come two days later, we're in the big house, which I think is the second biggest stadium in the world where, like, Tom Brady went to school, a lot of, like, really big football guys. Um, yeah. There was 110,000 people at the game, and it was like, whoa. Yeah, it was pretty unreal. Mate, what are your nerves like before these games? Uh, so many people, especially your first one when you hadn't even seen a game, you had never played a game. What are your nerves like? That was it was an interesting few days uh, leading up to it. I was coming off of really like uh, a good few practice weeks going into it. So mentally, I don't think I was necessarily too nervous. Physically, the amount of like adrenaline I had was just like off the chain. So it took me. First three punts probably definitely weren't my best. Um, but as, I guess, the game came all settled in, you know, whatnot, I started to get more confident. And I had a pretty good second half in our first game. Definitely not the greatest first half, but I guess we made up for it slightly. So, yeah. I guess that's a hard thing about being a kicker, especially with the massive crowd, the energy you get from these crowds, 110,000. I can only imagine. I felt, felt like... 35,000 was giving me enough energy. But you've got to really control your energy that you're receiving from them, don't you? Like these guys um, who are in all the crash bash stuff get to sort of unleash all this energy they're picking up, but you've got to control it just to place your ball where you want it, eh? Yeah, I guess I kind of started to approach the game less like a football player and more like kind of like just like a golfer, you know? Like I just have to do my own thing. And I'm almost just like... I'm on the team, but I'm not really on the team, you know. I'm just, like, that guy who does a specialty thing. Um, and so, obviously, like, if if I was that guy, like, bashing heads and hitting dudes, like, I'd love for the crowd to be, you know. Yeah. But for me, I, I just have to sit on the sidelines and stay calm and focus on what I have to do. And then when I get the opportunity, just do my best to – be as calm as possible and just focus on my technique and, and all those good things. And what was it like adjusting to kicking with all the gear on? Because obviously um, in rugby union, there's no gear. You never played a game. You're playing with now all this gear on. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I absolutely hated it first. Um, <laughs> I remember, like, so at one of our practices, I, like, took my helmet off before I came off the field. Like, I had a rep during team period. And the head coach got asked about me in, like, a press conference, and he mentioned it. And so I was getting a bit clown, like, on Twitter and whatnot for that. It was kind of funny. And then it happened again, and they made me run uh, a stadium, so, like, run from the bottom of the stand to the top of the stand. We have a pretty big stadium, so that kind of sucked. Um, but I don't know. Sometimes it feels like you're skateboarding. Like, uh, they make me wear knee pads, thigh pads, hip pads, shoulder pads, and a helmet. 
Um, I cut my knee pads so they're just like that big instead of being like whatever. Uh, I cut my thigh pads so it's just a tiny piece of foam kind of. Uh, cut my hip pads so like they're pretty much non-existent. But I guess there was there was definitely a, a while where it took me time to adjust. Like my helmets, it's luckily it's like lasered to my head, so it's really like form fitting, and it's like it really it's it's so tight, and sometimes it like just doesn't even feel like you got something on. But definitely those first few practices, I was like, oh my, <laughs> yeah. So is it compulsory to wear every single piece of gear? That's why you've just made it as small as possible. Yeah, so all those things, thigh pads, hip pads, knee pads, like you have to wear them and the refs enforce yeah. them. There's like for some reason there's so many like equipment rules. So like, I mean, I guess knee pads are supposed to go over the knees. You know, it's kind of implied by the name. But I pulled, I tried pulling my shorts up as, as high as I could. I remember I was on the field at Michigan and the ref, I thought the ref said pull your shorts up. So I pulled my shorts up. It turns out he was saying pull your shorts down. So I think we might have like nearly drawn a penalty. So that was kind of funny. Um, but for some reason, I don't know, there's so many equipment rules, which I mean, I guess pretty unnecessary. Uh, I always tell people, like I'll joke, I'll, they'll be like, oh, you need shoulder pads and you need thigh pads and you're going to be glad you're wearing shoulder pads if you ever have to hit someone. I was like, well, like, I mean, I grew up playing rugby. Like if I have to make a tackle, I have to make a tackle, like, what's a helmet gonna do like i'm not gonna tackle with my head you know um you know ideally my head's gonna be on the side so i'm not getting like a concussion or anything but i don't know have you ever had to take a contact yet or make a tackle have you been hit no uh i mean aside from one time that like as a joke the special teams coordinator said go do tackling drill but it was just tackling someone on a like a, a mat um I did think uh, there was one time we played at Penn State and the ball was on the two-yard line, so my heels were at, like, the back of the end zone, so it was really constricted. So basically it was just, like, catch it, take a step, kick it. Like, it was really, like, quick. Um, yeah. And their return man was Jahan Dotson, who, like, now he might get picked in the first round. Like, he's shifty dude, like, insane athlete. And he was back then. He made three or four dudes miss. And so I, I started jogging, and I was like, like as I started jogging further, I was like, oh no, like I'm probably about to get like sidestepped on a ESPN, you know. Uh, but luckily, one of my teammates, like literally like three meters in front of me, made the tackle. Otherwise, <laughs> probably wouldn't have been pretty. Yeah. So you talk about that draft. You're not eligible to be picked up in that draft yet. Do you have to finish your whole college football career? How does that work? Uh, I think you have to spend three years in college. So some of my teammates, I think we have two or three guys projected to be drafted, I think middle to late rounds. But there is definitely guys like around the country who leave after three years. Uh, But those guys are the guys that are going to be picked really high. So what happens to the guys who have finished up their time and they don't get picked up in the NFL? Where where do they go? What do they do? Are they just uh, into working life, is it? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's... The good thing, graduating with a degree, um, like debt-free, and then also having the connections uh, from playing college football. I mean, like, yeah, obviously, 
if you don't get the opportunity to play professionally, like it kind of sucks and whatnot. And a lot of guys, you know, are devastated. But I feel as though like playing college football opens so many doors, like networking. Uh, like I've had the opportunity to meet so many cool people. Like literally one day we were in at football and the dude who starred in Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, I forgot his name. But he just like walked out in a, the facility and he was just like talking to us at the team meeting and I was like, what? <laughs> you know? So it's, I don't know. Yeah, there's there's a lot of opportunity. Yeah. And your passion is in business, is it? You're studying business? Uh, yeah. So I'm lucky I got into the uh, Cali school, but that's one of the main reasons I wanted to come uh, to the US, but then specifically Indiana, because there's, I think the average starting salary of a, just like an undergrad student's like 70,000 US from the business school. Like it's seen as pretty like prestigious in that. Um, so I hope to uh, graduate here. I'm trying to graduate in three years or three and a half years, so earlier than four years, and then get like my MBA paid for. And then obviously if football doesn't work out, hopefully I'll land a pretty good job either here or back home. So what's your what's your week look like at the moment? Obviously... It sounds like you're pretty much a full-time professional American football player, but you've also got to manage your study uh, in between that. What's your study to training ratio sort of look like? What's a week look like? Uh, well, right now we're not in season, so it's it's pretty relaxed. So right now it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday lift, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, uh, like team runs. And then I'm expected to go kick balls on my own like two or three times. And then... I'm in a lot of credit hours right now, so I've taken seven classes a semester. So usually Monday through Thursday, I'd have three classes, and then Friday I'd have one class in the morning off the lift. But in this season, it's it's a lot more hectic. There was a lot of days where I'd be waking up at 6 to come to football. Football would be finished at like 11.30, 12, and then I'd go to class from 1 till 6.30, and then I'd have tutoring or homework, uh, and a lot of times I wouldn't get home till nine or ten p.m. So, yeah, it was it was kind of a lot. And then on the weekend, we'd be expected to go to go play. So it can be stressful at times, but it's all yeah, worth it. Mate, that is crazy. And what's like the whole college environment like? Is um, you obviously see a lot in the movies over here. That's pretty much as far as we go um, here in New Zealand with what it's like. Is it like the movies? Is it? Are you guys sort of the the big dogs of the campus as a um, American football player? Uh, I mean, there's definitely like some. I don't know if you you know people know you play football, they might treat you slightly differently. Um, but I don't know. We we have a good time on the side, you know, outside of football and school. It's been like pretty crazy with some of the things, like bars, frats, and all those uh, kind of things. It's actually funny though, because back home I was legal to drink, you know, and then I came here and I was nineteen, and it was my first day. I was at LAX. I was really tired, and I was like, "Well, I'll go buy a beer." Like, like I've got, I've got to wait like six hours at the airport, and so I went out to the kiosk, and I was like, "Can I get like a Bud Light or something?" I'm like, can I see some ID? And I show my New Zealand driver's license, and well, I'm 19, so yes, yeah, so that was that was the first time where I was. Yeah, I learned I learned the hard way, but yeah, luckily I'm turning 21 uh, next month, so you'll be into it. Yeah, 
in terms of like the college thing, have you, do you have like initiations and things like the rugby? Is the is the squad really close? Do you guys all get out on the piss together much or not really? Um, yeah, it's there's a lot of dudes. There's not really an initiation uh, thing at all. I guess a lot of uh, my friends are in like the class kind of like so. People are like recruited in a like the football team every year so everyone kind of comes in at the same time so like I'm friends with a lot of those guys and so those are the, a lot of the guys that um I did things like socially together outside of that though like all the guys are really really um really cool dudes there's a lot of I guess like diverse backgrounds it's kind of weird obviously I'm like a foreigner but we actually have another dude on the team that uh CEO he was born in Auckland actually uh lived there till he was eight then moved to American Samoa, then Australia, then the U.S. Um, but he's a defensive tackle, so he actually does athletic things. <laughs> so, yeah. So after a game, do you guys all just head back to the change rooms? Do you head off to your classic American house party? What's the, what's the usual ritual after a game? It depends. If it's an away game, shower, get dressed, call my parents, get on the bus, get to a plane, fly home, everything's really streamlined. If it's a home game, I guess just find out what we're doing afterwards and go enjoy the boys' company. Um, there was one time, though, actually we played Michigan State. It was a noon game, really big game, sold-out game. And what happened was after the game, one of our uh, teammates' families had a tailgate, gave me, like, a couple beers, and I was like, oh, no, like – I had an exam to take that 8 p.m. that night, so it was it was rough. Uh, so we played in the game in front of 53,000 and probably a couple million on TV, and then I was in a uh, like computer and business, so like pretty rough exam uh, at 8 p.m. that night. So I don't know, that, it, it varies a lot, but um, yeah. we definitely like enjoy enjoy ourselves. You have to, don't you? So then, like post game, do you guys how much of a how much analysis do you do as a kicker in terms of who you're playing? How does your review sort of preview work look? Um, so Saturday we play, Sunday we come in, we have a lift treatment, and we review our film from the day before, and then we have a walkthrough, which is like just walking through things to improve, and then also walking through the opposition for the next week, uh, and then we've got Monday off. Uh, from football and then Tuesday we have a big meeting and we'll review everything like for me uh, last season all I had to know was uh, what kind of looks they'll give me uh, like their punt return unit so if they'll overload one side and I'll know I have to get the wall off slightly quicker or if it's a hold up look Um, so for me and everything's kind of just like our special teams coordinator will do all that, and they'll put in a report, and they'll kind of go through it. And then occasionally I'd watch film if I was unsure, but a lot of the time it's pretty self-explanatory. Like, for me, if I see, like, a significant overload on, what, like, the kick side, it'll probably mean they bring pressure, and then certain teams bring certain looks. So. How hard was that for you to learn all that side of things, especially since you hadn't watched much, you hadn't followed much um, football through your um, life, I guess, growing up? How hard was it to pick up all these cues and understand the game, where to put the ball? Uh, it, not not really too difficult, uh, just because a lot of it was set out by our coordinator and he took me through it a lot. And then obviously we have play calls for where we're kicking, what type of kick, all those things. 
So really, especially because it was my first year, uh, I didn't have a whole lot of responsibility in terms of like decision making and that. It was really just he told me what to do. If I saw something like pre-snap, I might, instead of taking like a full like three steps, just like one step and get it off, which did happen a, a couple of times. Especially some teams, like when they know there's like a freshman back there, they'll, you know, they'll try to come after you a bit, but... Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like nothing terribly difficult, yes. especially when um, the offense and the defensive playbooks are like brutal. Like they're always in meetings. And a lot of the time, like we have to be at football, but we're not in O&D meetings. So we're just in the players lounge, like playing ping pong or whatever. Um, yeah. So all your, t- all your team stuff's done separately, all the D's done by themselves, all the tech's done by themselves and you guys do your own stuff as well. So it's, all pretty split, is it? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, the kickers, punters, and snappers are kind of like the three position or positions where, like, we're kind of almost separate. And then special teams, we have uh, punt, punt return, kickoff and kickoff return, and then field goal, field goal block. So those are the six units we have. And so, basically, the offensive and defensive players, depending on what unit it is, will play in the special team. They'll just be either, like, blocking or trying to make a tackle or trying to block a kick. So they'll they'll still have to come to the same meetings as us. It's just they'll also have to learn, like, an entire offense or entire defense, and then we'll just be chilling uh, in the players' lounge waiting waiting for them to be done so we can go home. So how much of your job uh, relies on your teammates, your other guys? Uh, for me, quite a lot. So basically... I mean, if they don't do their job in protection, then I'm probably going to get smacked, which is not ideal. And then in terms of coverage, getting off blocks, getting down, either like forcing like a fair catch, like the returner can uh, signal to basically say we're not going to return the ball, I'm just going to catch it so it doesn't roll. And then the offense is going to start from where he fair caught it. So either doing that, like getting downfield quickly and forcing a fair catch, or making tackles in open field if they get a return. So they do a lot. They don't really get much credit, which is unfortunate. But, yeah, really they playing special teams, there's not a whole lot of glory. And it's kind of just one of those things where you're just getting smacked for little little return, you know. So the battlers on special teams, you got to appreciate them and you got to thank them. So, And you mentioned before about, like, you, get, you got told what sort of kick to – um, put in before you run out there so what sort of kicks is that like what do they usually want from you is it hang time is it length is it a combination of all sorts of things um so distance hang time uh direction and get off are probably like the four main things um but then obviously we have different types of kicks so there's like calls depending on our like protection schemes so we'll never kick down the middle of the field unless i miss hit a ball um <laughs> So uh, there's left directional kicks, right directional kicks. Uh, if we're close to, like, the goal line, so I have to kick with precision, we'll have, like, end-over-end kicks. Some te- We didn't use it as much uh, last year, but uh, basically, like, rolling rugby-style, like, end-over-end kicks, um, that's pretty popular in college football. A lot of Australian guys, they do that a lot. I find that's, like, really easy to do, like, in a wind. Yeah. Uh, so those are really the main calls and then obviously based off of what the other team's doing 
those times last year where I had to just catch it and just one step it. So basically, just take one step and kick it. And you, you even you don't do any kicking for goal, do you? Uh, no. So that's actually my roommate Charles. Yeah. Uh, he's he's outstanding field goal kicker. I've started getting reps uh, holding for field goals uh, this year. So maybe in the season I'll be the starting holder. So is that the catcher and then put it down? Yeah, put it down. I don't know, it's it's not too difficult. It's um, nice to get a bit more responsibility and something else to do at practice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would you like to get into the uh, goal kicking? Uh, n- no, I just don't think yeah. I could do it. And really there's not too much point. So no one would do both in the NFL. You just choose your lane. No, no, there's a few dudes that do it uh, at the college level, uh, like the Penn State guy, uh, John Stout was phenomenal at both, um, but in the NFL they have a separate guy for, for both. So it's so, so specialised, though, such a specialised game, just come on for you. Yeah. Head on off, so good. I know. But we've spoken a little bit about the facilities and... Um, from what I've seen in the photos, it just looks next level, like your gym and that whole side of things. It's so professional. Um, you don't get paid. I know everything gets paid for, but what's what's the facilities like? What's it like training there? Uh, obviously, they're really, really nice. I'm in the stadium right now uh, in the academic center, and it's really nice here because everything's in the stadium or attached to the stadium. So we have uh, an athlete academic center, an athlete dining hall a general athlete like physical therapy room uh our football locker room which is really really nice i like football players lounge which just has a bunch of like free food and then uh, a bunch of unnecessary things like ping pong and pool we got hot tubs cold tubs a bunch of other recovery stuff like a football only physical therapy room position meeting rooms a weight room and then obviously we got the the main game field uh, two practice fields and an indoor practice facility. So there's a lot. Yeah, there's. I end up spending a lot of time at the stadium. Fair enough. And none of the, none of the players get paid, do they? Or do, is there some sort of like endorsements and things that they can get now, or is it just? Yeah. So basically, I think it was July of last year they they opened it up. Uh, something called NIL, so name, image, and likeness, so players can start getting paid. Uh, from end- uh, endorsements and all that kind of stuff. So I actually can't get paid, though, because I'm on a student visa, so I'm not able to accept any of that. But there's definitely a lot of money in uh, college football. So there's a lot of dudes making around, like, America. Some dudes making, like, in the millions just from endorsements. Um, yeah, I don't know. Our basketball team, there's definitely a couple of dudes making, like, a few hundred thousand. I don't know exactly how much some of my teammates are making, but I know, like, some of them making in the tens of thousands. So it's good side gig. And I guess it kind of, even though it, like the wording of it's like you can't incentivize like how you play, but it kind of is, you know. So the better you play, like the bigger your brand's going to be and then the more opportunities you're going to get. Yeah. And it sounds like an awesome place to be a coach as well. He's on a fair wicket. Oh, yeah. No, our head coach makes a lot he's got a really nice house we've been to his house um yeah it would be nice uh all that stuff's uh public though so i guess people can look it up if if they're curious but it's yeah in the millions 
Yeah, it's crazy, eh? Like, and how how many coaches have you got? Like, are they all on millions, or is it just the head guy who his head's on the line? I guess. Yeah, it's the head guy. I guess we have head coach, offensive, defense, and special teams coordinator, and then we have position coaches, so quarterbacks coach, uh, wide receivers coach, all the different positions. There's a coach for them, and then underneath that, there's I think you call it quality control. So just below position coaches, and there's, I think it's like five, five of those. And then we have a graduate assistants, so basically um, guys that are in grad school, uh, well, they're paid to be football coaches, but also they're in grad school, and so like they're getting their graduate education. And then we have student assistants as well. Fairly big team. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, no, definitely. Oh, well, there's so much money, yeah. I think, well, I read somewhere that it was, you guys made $30 million or was it more than that? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it's 2019, roughly $30 million in profit, just the football department. I'd like to think that would have gone up uh, last year just with uh, tenants. But, yeah, no, it's pretty crazy when you think about it. Yeah. And how did your team do last year? Oh, we uh, did not... We didn't have a great season. Uh, we actually won two games out of, and had ten losses. Um, yeah, unfortunately, we had a lot of momentum going into the season. I think we were the ranked number 17 in the country going into the season. But a couple, we lost first game at Iowa. Uh, week three, we lost to Cincinnati. We were in the college football playoff. Week five, we lost to Penn State. And just early season, uh, bad momentum combined with a lot of injuries the key guys kind of just yeah so that obviously doesn't affect attendance though it's not like new zealand like when your team starts losing the crowd stop coming you guys were losing what you're two from ten and you're still getting one hundred and ten thousand to the stadium oh yeah no well i mean definitely the last couple home games weren't as packed but also it was it gets really cold here i think it was 25 degrees fahrenheit who both are lost two home games, so I want to say it's like negative three, negative four degrees Celsius. So <laughs> fair enough, no one's turning up. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, yeah, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't go if I was a fan. Yeah, that's that's probably one of the the worst things about living in Indiana. Um, the coldest it's got since I've been here is like negative twenty degrees Celsius, and then it's gone into the forties in the summer. So like. There's just no happy, like, median, like it is kind of back home. So how do you keep warm? Like, that's an interesting point around, like, when it's that cold and you're only kicking six times and you're doing a lot of standing around on that sideline, aren't you? So how are you keeping your, your leg warm and uh, ready to kick? Uh, well, luckily we've heated benches when it's cold, so I just sit on the heated bench, which is nice. Uh, and then, I'm, like, towards the end of the season, as it got colder, I'd hop on the bike and kick balls we have a kicking net so kick into the net but you know it got to the point last season where i guess it's kind of like deep heat uh pain zone it was titled where like our athletic trainers i'd be like i need some pain zone i just chuck it on like my hamstrings so i'd be feeling warm and loose you know oh geez it's good stuff so interesting and you spoke about your side not having a great year um last year but what's what's the future look like for them i'd like to think uh, definitely going to have a better year this year. I feel like last year we just, the early season losses combined with injuries, the key guys kind of just 
you know, when you're on a team and you lose the momentum that you had going into the season and the people's confidence gets affected and everything just, you know, is on a steady decline. But uh, through, like, our spring football program and our uh, winter conditioning program, things have been looking good. I guess we got some new, like, transfers in. Uh, so a lot of those guys are looking good. And I definitely feel like this year the team is more uh, together um, off the field, and hopefully that'll uh, kind of translate to on-field uh, performance. Yeah, and how much does the team rely on your quarterback? Like, seems like a lot when you're watching for it with a – you know, an eye which isn't tuned into American football, but um, how much do you guys rely on your quarterback? Well, I guess, like, the whole, like, offense goes through the quarterback, so quite a a lot. So that was one of the things last year that kind of affected us, just we had a lot of injuries to our quarterbacks and got to the point at the end of the season where we were down an 18-year-old freshman who uh, had only actually been, you know, with the team for, like, a few months, so... You know, he's a really, really talented player, but, like, it's kind of throwing a kid into the, into the fire early, I think. So, yeah, I, I mean, the games that we won, the quarterback play was really good. I think Mike, when we played against Western Kentucky and we beat them in their home, he threw for, like, nearly, like, 400 yards, which is a lot. So I didn't punt much that game, which was nice. Um, but... Yeah, no, it's it's a lot. They have a lot of responsibility. Like, I don't really envy being them, you know. Uh, yeah. Especially when it comes to how much like film they get to watch and how much uh, like of the playbook they have to study and all those things. Yeah. So, do they come up with a lot of their attack strategy, or is that still the head coach who gives it to them? But they just need to um, keep an eye on things. Uh, so I think it's just all through the offensive coordinator. I, like, I'm still yeah. like kind of not so privy to all those things and not yeah. so informed. But the offensive coordinator, it's his job to like call plays and all those things. So he uh, does all that and he calls the plays. And so then it's – I think it's like signals that go to the quarterback and then the quarterback uh, tells the rest of the guys and all those. To be honest yeah. with you, I'm not 100% informed on you how all this works. Yeah, ball. I just go kick the ball. <laughs> yeah. Right, you're loving so what's, so what's the plan for you? You've got your three years over there to get through. What's the dream? To get drafted? How do you go about the process to get drafted? What's, what's the plans? Yeah, so I still have uh, three more years to play. I guess, yeah, the dream would be to play in the NFL. And to get there, it's probably just being more consistent on the field and continuing to develop and get better on all those uh, things. Like, I'm still really young. I'm only 20 and I've only been kicking footballs just over like two and a half years now. So, like, I'm still very early on in my development. So, just keeping on de- developing um, as a punter. Uh, and then as I get older, just continue to play and play better. But it's it's definitely hard to get into the NFL as a punter because there's only 32 spots. Yeah. So, I mean, there's only really like three to five spots that kind of come free each year. So, you have to be really up there in college football and really performing. Um, obviously, I want to graduate, hopefully get my MBA, and if football doesn't work out. Honestly, I don't know if I'll stay in the U.S. post-graduation. I get asked that, like, all the time. But I guess there's a few factors. Maybe get a job in finance and move to Chicago or something, but that's all very in the future, you know, so. Yeah. 
Yeah, so much to happen between now and then. Eh? So if you miss out on the draft initially, could you get picked up later on even though you're not playing college football? Or is once you miss that transition, are you pretty much done? No, you can uh, – I mean, if you don't get drafted, you can sign as an undrafted free agent and then there's opportunities to try out for teams – there's also other opportunities, like there's the Canadian Football League, so there's a professional league, so there's a lot of, uh, they have an uh, international draft, I think, so there's opportunities for guys um, overseas to go play in that, so that could be an option if things go well. Um, there's other leagues, uh, like spring football leagues, where guys like go play and then hope you know, they play well, get, like, good game film, and then get signed by an NFL team. But, you know, there's definitely opportunities. And there's, like, stories of guys that didn't make it initially and then just stuck with it. And then, you know, a few years of development on their own and training yeah. got to that point. Is that something you'd look to do, or do you think you'd chase the um, go down the business side? Uh, I really don't know, to be honest with you. I think... Yeah. I'd be try to be as realistic as possible, but if it was feasible, you know, I'd like to give it, you know, a run. Um, yeah. I feel like, especially if it was uh, there was like a good uh, possibility that it could happen, you know, I feel like I'd regret it if I didn't. But yeah, that's a question for like three or four years from now. Yeah, to be honest with you. Yeah. Mate, it's so fascinating, such an interesting story, it's so cool to hear. But as always, we have gone to our Instagram for some questions, and uh, it looks like a couple of your mates might be following the Waterlad page, which is good stuff, so we've had a few good questions come in. But the first question is from another lad, what's the difference between punting in American football and a rugby ball? This one came from Simon Hickey, so another noted rugby ball punter. Um. Well, college football is slightly smaller, so the sweet spot's smaller. Um, kicking it like end over end is like a rugby will go further. So it's but they spiral pretty well. So if you if you get the technique down and you hit the sweet spot, they'll like they'll fly. Definitely, especially compared to rugby balls, like spiraling a rugby ball is pretty hard. I feel like they don't actually you know spiral too well. Um, yeah. But yeah, end over end punting is a lot easier with a rugby ball and it's probably easier to control as well like a lot of our game balls are really pointy at the ends because they're pretty new um so it can be pretty brutal to end a run kick interesting so how far could you punt a nfl ball oh uh, like no wind are we talking or yeah no wind <laughs> <laughs> or you can put a gale behind you if you want give us a good stat <laughs> uh i don't know i probably got videos of me hitting it like 70, 75 meters on the fall. Oh, wow. Um, but with some wind, uh, I don't know, add whatever, depending on the wind. Um, yeah. 100 meters? No, I don't know about that. When you really get behind the ball um, and it spirals and you hit it with like a low trajectory, like it can fly. Um, so, yeah. yeah. What about a rugby ball? How far could you punt a rugby ball? Ooh, I don't know. I haven't kicked a rugby ball in probably a good three, four years now. I don't know. What's kind of the standard, like 50, 55, 60? Yeah. I don't know. Probably not as far as you could. Heyday. <laughs> no, you'd, you'd have me easy, mate. I don't know about that. I, was, I had the little wedge out. Oh, good stuff. Okay, next one. How far could you place kick a rugby ball? Oh, one time when I was 15, I hit one 60 metres. Um, oh, wow. 
I think 17, I hit probably 64, but that was kind of the most. Um, that was probably with a good bit of that was with a good bit of wind though. So I don't know. True, but you obviously haven't done it for a while. No, no, I feel like I'd be terrible if, if I tried giving it a crack. Yeah, one of our coaches uh, is a big rugby fan, and we actually had like a rugby ball like randomly turn up in our indoor, and he was trying to get get me to. Give it a go recently. But, yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay, next one. Um, Sort of spoke about this when we were talking about Marty Banks, but which rugby player do you think would have the best chance of making it in the NFL as a kicker? I feel like Dan Carter back in his heyday um, would be pretty good as a a field goal kicker because he used a very low tee, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, you got to kick. It's it's weird because you kick off the ground. It's kind of difficult. That's why I kind of suck at kicking field goals. But you used to have it up on the big high tee. Oh, uh, mm, I don't know about that, but I definitely wasn't as ambitious as he was uh, with, the, with the low tee. But know, there's a good few people, and trying to think, I don't actually get to catch too much rugby in the present day just because the time difference is. Yeah. I'm hoping a couple of weeks when I go home, I'll be able to catch some games. Maybe I'll just give a shout out, Marty Banks. <laughs> he showed he showed he showed some good potential um, that one time I was kicking balls with him. Um, oh, he's he's I reckon he's gonna fly over soon and give it a crack. He'd, he'd love it, mate. His rugby career is coming to an end. <laughs> Come try and be an NFL player. Oh, how good! What about as a um, just a, as a player? Like um, any rugby players who you think would go good. As a running back or any other position, probably probably someone in the midfield or a fullback. Maybe Marnono in his prime put him at running back and get him to yeah. smoke some dudes up front. Um, yeah, I don't know. Being a running back is brutal. Like seeing the dude who started last year, Stephen Carr, after games, like couldn't be me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A few guys have tried. Hey, did you follow much of like Jared Hayne and um, Christian Wade and their? Um, attempts to crack it? Oh, I like it a tiny bit. It's hard, though, like, especially as a position player. Um, like, obviously in rugby, you're conditioned to, like, play 80 minutes and, like, aerobically and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and to go from that to the stop-start and having to know, like, 200 different plays, sometimes even more than that, I think. I really don't know. It's kind of difficult in learning, like, I feel like if, if a lot of those guys, and a lot of guys playing professional rugby like right now grew up in America and had the opportunities, you know, at a younger age, they'd be, they'd be killing it right now. But it's just, yeah, it's a tough gig to pick up, I feel like, so late. Yeah, I agree. Okay, next one. If you could, This one's from our sponsor, Swish. If you could get a video message from any celebrity in the world, who would it be and why? Jeez. I feel like uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Just oh, top, okay. yeah. Just nice. absolute stud. Probably the yeah. best. I'll say it, the best soccer player of all time. Um, Do you follow much soccer? Uh, like a tiny bit. To be honest with you, like I don't really follow much sport in general, just because of like how hectic things are. Um, and then just sometimes it feels. I don't know if you were the same. Sometimes it feels weird when you're like around sports so much to to yeah. follow it, but. Like a tiny bit when I can. Fair enough. Cristiano Ronaldo, absolutely. He'd go go on the podcast too, actually. Okay, next one. What made you pick the number 69? Are you are you actually number 69? 
No, no, no. I'm I'm number ninety four, and basically because I play a pretty irrelevant position. Um, actually, I was going to be number ninety nine because the special teams coordinator was like, "You can pick a number in the nineties, and that's going to be your number." So I was like, "Sweet as I'll pick ninety nine and then he forgot to tell the equipment guys, and I went on Twitter one day and it was like new players' numbers, and it was ninety four. And I was like, well, I guess I'm 94 now. So so you get no say in that, obviously. Uh, I mean, not not really. I mean, if I was like a the star quarterback, yeah, like I could probably go demand to be a sexy number, but no. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Okay, next one. If you could play with any current player, who would it be? Ooh, maybe uh, Tom Brady. Oh has to be doesn't it yeah oh you and tom brady yeah i mean also i wouldn't be i wouldn't be punting a whole lot as well with tom brady so it'd be a nice little gig just chill on the sideline sideline tickets and then get on the field a couple times so the better your team is the less you punt essentially yeah so we punted a lot uh last season (laughs) big year for the freshman just punting all the time yeah unfortunately fair enough kate Two more questions. What, who's your dream NFL draft team? Who would you love to be drafted by? Ooh, I don't know. I just went to uh, like Miami Fort Lauderdale for spring break, and that was a really, really good time. So maybe the Dolphins. No income tax. Oh no, state income tax there as well. Oh, really? um, state income tax. Yeah, it was, it was really warm. They're really good time. Um, my favorite team's the Tennessee Titans uh, in Nashville. So I've been there a couple times. That was another good time. Um, we actually worked out with a couple of dudes on the Titans. That was that was cool. They're really nice dudes. But I don't know. I'd I'd go wherever wherever they were paying me. You spoke about spring break there. What was that like? Oh, that was uh, that was probably the longest week of my life. But <laughs> it was a good time. Yeah. What is like how big is that? Like how many people are at spring break, is it? Oh, it was unreal. It was um everywhere was packed, like beaches, bars, every like the whole like you knew as well. You knew like what schools were on spring break, like you'd just go talk to people and they'd all be from the same like six to eight schools, so but it was hectic. It's probably the longest week of my life. Do you have to go to school to go there? No, no, anyone can just show up, but um, for the most part, like, it's just um, just school school kids, yeah. Mate, that's crazy, sounds good stuff. Okay, last question, best piece of advice you have for a Waterland listener? Ooh, I guess uh, from my unique uh, standing and how weird my life's kind of panned out, you know, if there is something you want to do, just go out and try to do it and if it works out it works out if not maybe have a good time out of it but yeah I mean that's that is kind of how my life uh, worked out weirdly you know and so I'm pretty grateful to be in the position I'm in and you know I'd, I'd advise everyone to go after what they want and hope for the best give it a crack love that and mate you're, you're right you're spot on like 
your journey has been so interesting and so unique and it's been such a fascinating insight for me, someone I've wanted to um, have a yarn to for a long time just to hear about how you've come about this um, gig over there and mate, super interesting stuff for me to hear the insight into what it's like over there as a American football player and and college football. So really appreciate you coming on the podcast and mate, I'm really looking forward to following your career from here and um, seeing how you go. No, thank you so much for having me. Mate, you're a lad. No, thank you.